0: when i did this joke they thought i hated malaysia i didn't at the time of doing this joke i mean it was a fucking joke get a grip of yourselves yeah. it still kills every time i do it i mean jokes are subjective anyway right but laughs are objective. as objective as you can get about a joke is objectively good just because it kills i mean it gets an applause break so as long as the joke is funny and the audience is laughing and i shoot for like 80 90 percent people laughing then it's funny, they all will keep doing it. That's where the line is, if people laugh or not.
1: Welcome to Modern Minorities. This is a show about work and life, told through the lens of what makes each of us different.
0: I'm Sharon Lee Tony, a Chinese-American girl, born and raised in New York City.
1: And I'm Raman Seckle, an Indian-American boy who came from Alabama with a banjo on my knee. On, we want to share a conversation that longtime Prem to the Pod and the funny Indian Rajiv sathyal had with Singaporean comedian Jocelyn Chia on one of his many programs, this one being the Tangent Show. Get it? Because he's a tan gent. Screw you guys, that's hilarious. Anyhow, Jocelyn Chia is a New York-based lawyer-turned-comedian who's a regular at the Comedy Cellar and the Gotham Comedy Club, and has been featured in Vulture, Vice, CNN, BBC, The New York Times, The Howard Stern, Channel of SiriusXM, MTV, Gutfilled on Fox, TMZ, Vice TV, and Comedy Central. Now, if the name Jocelyn Chia sounds familiar, or even if it doesn't, I guarantee you've heard of her. That's because she really is infamous. Well, at least in Malaysia. You see, back in June of 2023, Jocelyn made the front page of the New York Times. The Singaporean comedian got into hot water when she told a series of jokes at the comedy cellar in New York that went viral, especially with Malaysians, and not in a good way. And we're not talking about just a few Malaysians. We're talking about pretty much the entire country. And for those of you not familiar with that part of the world, Malaysia and Singapore are neighboring countries sharing a tricky colonial history between the British and the Japanese. They were briefly one nation of sorts, but Singapore became an independent nation from Malaysia in 1965 for many reasons, partially because of Singapore having a greater population of ethnic Chinese folks, whereas the population was kind of flipped in Malaysia. To be clear, I only know this because I briefly lived in that region early in my career. Anyhow. So there was a comedic kerfuffle between Jocelyn and Malaysia, and Rajiv reached out because he admired her willingness to stand her ground and not apologize for a joke. This is a really great conversation, hearing two comics not just talking about their craft, but on the very merits of free speech and our increasingly global and social society. You'll hear Jocelyn's deep dive into what happened, how she dealt with it, how the levels of trust about the media among Asians and Americans comedians differ, and how Jocelyn's mental health preparation enabled her not only to weather the storm, but to capitalize on the moment. You can find The Tangent Show wherever you get your favorite podcasts and find out more about all the things our pal Rajiv is doing at funnyindian.com. So we hope you enjoy this chat with our comedian friends, Rajiv and Jocelyn. (laughs)
2: Welcome, everybody, to The Tangent Show. I'm your host, Rajiv Sethyal, and I am thrilled to be speaking with Jocelyn Chia, a comedian who has gone through the ringer with jokes that she told at the Comedy Cellar, arguably the number one comedy club in the world, and the fallout from that. She's done a lot of interviews since, so we don't want to necessarily read tread that same ground, but maybe get a sense of where she is today and her mental health and the initiative she's launching and all the other things. That uh-huh. Oh,
0: you read about my initiative, huh?
2: I read about your initiative. I did a little bit of research. You know, <laughs> I don't like to be too researched because then it feels too stilted, but I would yeah. at least have some idea of what you're up to.
0: Sure, yeah.
2: Yeah. Well, do you, I mean, do you want to start there? Or do you want to, Where do you want to start? You want to start with the incident for those people out there who may not know? How do you, how do you think of it? Actually, it'd be very helpful for me to hear how you think of it in October, since this went down in June.
0: Yeah, it went down in June. Wait, so do you want to give a recap to the listeners? Uh, Well,
2: yeah, how do you think of it? I mean, what I think of it as is you told some jokes on stage at the Comedy Cellar, Mm -hmm. you know, kind of going after Malaysia as someone from Singapore. Malaysian officials really, you know, went crazy over this thing. And it became an international incident of sorts, and did, you yeah. were asked to apologize, and you were hounded, and I think I think doxxed. Maybe I'm 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 saying that out of turn, and yes, you know, true. harassed. I would say for sure, yeah. and that's what that's how, that's how I see it from the outside. No,
0: that's true. That's exactly what happened. Uh so yeah, not not really much else to say. It's pretty factually accurate.
2: Great. Well, I'm glad to hear that. I got the facts right. This was in June. (laughs) uh, So it's sort of the beginning of the summer, end of the spring, however we wanted to define that. And how do you think of it now? Now that a few months have passed, you could say, what, four months have passed. Mm -hmm. How do you you think of it in your mind, in your heart, in your soul?
0: Uh, I mean, I just think of it as an overreaction to a joke by a country that doesn't know comedy very well. And I think some of them may try to protest otherwise, but the fact remains that they just don't. The vast majority of that country doesn't go to comedy shows. They have one comedy club in the entire freaking
2: country. Now, can you go back and what's your relationship with Malaysia? we are sworn enemies now jocelyn chia and malaysia
0: are sworn enemies yeah jocelyn chia and malaysia are sworn enemies now when i did this joke they thought i hated malaysia i didn't at the time of doing this joke i mean it was a fucking joke get get a grip of yourselves but now with the blowback that they gave me of course
2: i fucking hate them now
0: like fuck them
2: yeah. It's pretty over the top. I mean, looking at your joke, and I read something about how you had a regret, and it may not have been tied to the joke necessarily. I'll let you say it in your own words. But mm-hmm. I mean, what do you think of the joke now with some perspective? You're like, it's still, it's a, for you. It's still a funny joke. joke.
0: I still it laugh, I laugh all the time. It still kills every time I do it. So this is clearly their freaking problem. It's not like a sub... I mean, jokes are subjective anyway, right? But as far as but laughs are objective so as, objef, as objective as you can get about a joke is objectively good just because it kills I mean it gets an applause break I put out another video of me doing the joke again but now with my the jokes I have done about the aftermath and I've added to the bit and I still do the first joke just so people know what joke I'm talking about and also, it still gives me a sense of satisfaction, like, yeah, fuck you, Malaysia, this joke kills still. So, like, I do it now, I, like, I'll do it for the rest of my life, I think, just as, like, a form of revenge. Now, I'll do it until it stops getting a laugh, right? People kept asking me, what, uh, where do you draw the line? I'm, I draw the line when I stop getting a laugh. So, as long as the joke is funny and the audience is laughing and I shoot for, like, 80 90% of people laughing, mm-hmm. then it's funny. Then I'll keep doing it. Doing it. That's where the line is, if people laugh and or, or not.
2: Totally. Patrice O'Neill, you know, rest in peace, had talked about how, you know, comedy is not 100 people laughing. It's 50 people laughing and 50 people horrified.
0: Right, <laughs> right. Exactly. Yeah. <laughs> or in this case, 33 million.
2: <laughs> yeah, right, right. I mean, did you get any support? I think there from... are billions who find it funny. So, well, no, I mean, yeah, I, I think so too. I mean, I watched some of the podcasts about it and, you know, things like oh, that, read some articles and yeah, it was, it was, well, cause it's fascinating. I'm a comic. I've been a comic for 17 years. So for me, mm-hmm. it's fascinating whenever a joke, you know, sparks controversy gets out of the, you know, the life section, the entertainment section goes to the front page. That's, that's rare. I mean, I I don't know how many times it's happened even in, in this, in this century.
0: Yeah. I I was like, wow, I actually made the front pages of CNN and BBC print edition of New York times. That's really rare. I, I, I like, I, I, like you say, I don't think that has ever happened before for a joke front pages, yeah. like right next to Donald Trump getting arrested. It was
2: me and my joke yeah that's a big deal i mean how does that feel i mean is it all all publicity is good publicity and you're like hey man i'll take it like that's dope
0: i think it's a very interesting cultural difference so all the asian comedians were saying don't talk to the press they are not on your side so i actually didn't talk to any malaysian or singapore press because of the advice i was getting from the asian comedians asians in america
2: or asians globally sorry to interrupt asians
0: in asia okay yeah so just the hardcore Asian like not hardcore but not the OGs the The OGs yeah the OG Asians Hmm. um I later changed my mind and offered the the Singapore newspaper an interview and we were gonna do it but then they wanted video and I was in America so it kind of fell through the cracks but Uh a few months later I, I, I I kind of soften up on my stance I was like I think Singapore should be okay but Mm -hmm. that was the reason why I didn't talk to them because like all the Asian comedians were like don't talk to the press they're not going to be on your side and then all the American comedians were like are you nuts of course you talk to the press this all publicity is good publicity so I was like all right let's split the difference I won't talk to the Asian press I'll talk to the um, the Western press so that's how I did it at the time and I would say it was good publicity for sure um bad publicity for Malay for Malaysians in the sense that now they now that they knew about the joke, they would blow hate my way. So that's how that was. But Western audiences have been like were good about it. The only downside was that when this blew up and CNN and the BBC were posting about me on their Instagram. My Instagram was down because of these freaking Malaysians. So right. I couldn't even reap the benefits of my own viral moments. So I think that's why I will never forgive Malaysia actually for <laughs> making me lose out on my own viral moment.
2: I could not agree more that you've touched a nerve with me too, because not being able to capitalize on, on social media. So what, what did they do? What was the mechanics behind that? They shut your account down or what happened?
1: Yeah.
0: They just, they just, I guess, lodged so many reports against my account that Instagram shut it down. So I, I I needed someone who worked at Instagram to reach out like a fan. I fortunately had a fan who worked at Instagram. She's like, where's your account? I was like, well, these fucking Malaysians got it shut down. (laughs) Oh,
2: let me get it back for you. (laughs) Right. Man, so there's just enough complaints that they, they can they can do that. And there must have been... Which us, is so.
0: a bad thing to let out because then now the internet mob has a, another weapon against entertainers. So, mm-hmm. I mean, I, I hesitate to let people know this because then, yeah, there's just more, more weapons against my people, yeah. comedians and other entertainers.
2: Yeah, i think that i think that genie is already out of the toothpaste tube i think people already know to to go after people and all that did you i mean how did it i know you you talked about this on instagram and possibly other places too which is you know focusing on your own mental health and then this it could not have probably come at a better time in a sense of you were primed at least to you know to take on a challenge this is about as challenging as it gets i think certainly for a stand-up comic um and you were born where in singapore boston you're born in boston
0: yeah, so that was actually a, a part of the news was like, "What citizenship is she?" So that made made headlines too. Like, what is she, Singaporean or
2: American, or is yeah. she like
0: stateless? <laughs> yes, about, yeah, oh, yeah, 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 yeah. Like,
2: a woman without. The
0: Malaysians were so stupid; they thought I had no country.
2: <laughs> yeah, right. Like you can just be like you, you live in Antarctica or something. Do you? Um, <laughs> so, so born in Boston, and then and then what happened? Give me, give me your quick life story.
0: Born in Boston, but I was shipped back to Singapore as a baby because we couldn't afford a flight. No, I'm kidding. We took a flight back to Singapore.
2: <laughs> not literally shipped. Okay. Not that's... literally
0: shipped. Yeah. I was mailed
2: a package that be bad too. Yeah, not human trafficked. Okay. No. <laughs> okay.
0: So, yeah, I was taken back to Singapore because my, my parents are Singaporean and they just happened to be in America. My dad was at MIT doing his masters and so my my parents had 9 months to have an American baby, to have their little anchor baby, so they did it. Good for them. My mom in the middle of the night, her, her mother who had passed away had came to her in a dream and was like, this is the night, your baby's coming. And so she woke my dad up. She's like, it's time to make a baby. I don't think she said exactly that. She probably said something a little sexier, but that's what she tells us. <laughs> it's time to make a baby. And then they did it. They did it in nine months and then they did go back to Singapore. And that's where I grew up until I came back to America for
2: college. Wow. So growing up in Singapore and then so you speak several different languages
0: yeah i speak two and a half in singapore i learned english and mandarin and then i picked up french when i was in college
2: got it then where, where did you go to college did you go back
0: to boston or indiana no i wish i'd gone to boston that would have been so much more fun oh
2: regret i'm it. from ohio so i feel you you went to iu or
0: i went to iu yeah
2: yeah i'm very familiar with it it's, it's, it is a good school though
0: it is a good school. I mean, it's actually the reason why half my friends are
2: Republicans now.
0: <laughs> like I'm in, oh, America, yeah. in New York now, but yeah. because I went to college in the Midwest, so I am like half Republican, half Democrat friends. <laughs>
2: I'm from Ohio, so I feel you totally. I was shocked when Barack Obama won Indiana in two thousand eight. I think that I was shocked.
0: I was like, Oh God, <laughs> Obama, Indiana, they could be oh,
2: it was it was amazing. And now Ohio went for Donald Trump by eight points in this last election while you know Georgia he loses. I'm like, wow, Georgia's bluer than a state from the Confederacy is bluer than my home state. I don't know what to say oh, about that. So I, funny. That's a, yeah. Uh, yeah, it's funny is one word funny is one word Right. Term, Times i the <laughs> So you graduate from IU with a degree in
0: in sociology. My poor parents, like they paid so much for my education. Well, actually, no, but and this is how I knew I was I could become a good lawyer. I, I persuaded the Indiana University administration to give me in-state residency. So that plus the scholarship they had they had given me, I got paid to go to college.
2: That's good. That mm-hmm. is truly uh, South and East Asian, but we have that in common. We, we're always trying to try to get stuff for, for free or cheap. And that's good. That's not a bad thing necessarily. So good for you. Mm-hmm. Uh, so then you do that. You graduate with a degree in sociology and then you work. You're you you you're a, a lawyer. Is that right? Yeah, I went
0: to law school first, of course, because yeah. here you need a graduate degree. So I went to Georgetown for law, was in Washington, wow. D.C. for a little bit. Oh, thank you. Yeah, it is a good school.
2: That's a big, yeah, it's a big deal. Yeah, well,
0: actually, um, so Mike Berbiglia went to Georgetown. Actually, have quite a few comedians who went to Georgetown undergrad. So yeah. when I was telling him, Oh, I went to Georgetown too, and he was so excited, I was like, Oh no, it was just the law school. And I said, just because I know your allegiance is your undergrad, right? Yeah. So I said just meaning like, oh no, it's no big deal. I was I didn't like have that same college experience that you did. Right. He goes, Just Georgetown law is not the best. Law school's in the country, and then Judd Apatow was right at the right there too. He goes, Judd, Joss, isn't here went to Georgetown Law School, and so Judd Apatow was like, "Wow!" I was to Mike micro Bigley and Judd Apatow. I was like, "Oh my god, this is such a surreal moment."
2: That's amazing, Judd, Just and Joss. That's it's a lot of J's in there, so that, that's right. <laughs> so good for you. No, that that's fantastic. I had talked to Judd Apatow for a few minutes one time at the Laugh Factory. Just such a down to earth guy, and it just mm, was, he seemed was, really cool. Moment such a cool guy. And uh, Berbigli, I met him a couple of times after I saw a couple of his uh, solo shows in New York. So uh, mm-hmm. both obviously just really uh, <laughs> amazing, amazing comedy people. So that's super cool. So you do it law and then you do that for how many years before you go into comedy?
0: I did law for three years, but then I also did consulting back in Boston because it was always my dream to live in my birth city, which I never got to. So I actually lived in Boston for a little bit, working as a consultant at an innovation consulting company. It was a Founded by Clayton Christensen, I, I, people in the innovation world would know him. He wrote The Innovator's Dilemma, Harvard Business School professor. So he had a consulting company focused on innovation. And then one day I was like, oh my God, I'm not an Excel spreadsheet PowerPoint monkey. I'm going to take a comedy class. Nice. And that very day I went online to look for a comedy class. There was one starting that very day. And I actually called them out. I was like, hey, is it too late to sign up? And the registrar was like, yeah, it's too late. We have a curriculum. I'm like, the class starts in a few hours. What do you mean? Why can't I just join now? And so I tossed a coin and the coin determined my fate. I was like, all right, heads, I'm going to show up and talk to the teacher. Tails, I'll stay home and read a book. <laughs> and it was heads. So I went to, went to the class, talked to the teacher. Fast forward about I don't know six years after I took that class and then I was being asked to teach comedy maybe six seven years and I called up that same teacher whom I took my class with and I was like hey your class was was amazing you know what tips do you have and so then he gave me his advice and I'm teaching comedy six seven
2: years after I took his class. Wow that's amazing congrats do you think if it would have come down tails you would have gone anyway
0: uh that's a good question because they say when you toss a coin you actually know what you really want so I don't know I mean because I was like well if I go all the way there and the teacher says no I wasted a whole afternoon I was a full time working and and this is not a nine to five job this is a nine to like 10 p.m kind of job so a Sunday is very precious so I think actually if I've been tails I might have just stayed home and read my book
2: that's really interesting because it's a task versus an event, right? I mean, the task is you can read the book anytime. An event, the class is starting in a couple hours, you either go or you don't. And so I would have looked at it that way. Like, okay, I'm going to go because either I go to the class, I can read the book anytime. So, well,
0: because remember the registrar said I couldn't sign up anymore. Right. So there's a big chance that it I could go all the way and be wasted effort. I couldn't even get the event anymore. So there was a lot of cost benefit analysis going on.
2: I I I hear you. So
0: finally, I was like, all right, coin, you decide.
2: That's good. Well, I'm glad. (laughs) I think the comedy world is glad uh, for, for you that you did. I mean, Malaysia is not happy, but everyone else is happy.
0: <laughs> right. <laughs> so,
2: that's, uh, that's, that's pretty great. So, so then you've been doing stand up, and you're based now in New York. So when did you make the move from, uh, or did you, did you make the move to New York first or did you go into uh comedy full-time first?
0: It was pretty simultaneous. So actually, uh, it all kind of like came together, which is kind of how I feel like my life seems to work when, when things are just kind of to the extent that anything is really meant to be, it will happen. So yeah. it was like the the time in Boston was really just a training ground before I got dispatched to the Singapore office. But then the company was having some economic downturn. And they did end, end up, I mean, the, the founder did have to did pass away. He was ill at the time, and mm. he did end up selling to another company. But at the time they were like, Okay, so the Singapore position isn't there anymore, la la la. Um, so I end up and then right at the time I got a job offer in New York City in an improv theater so that was like but as their corporate director so it was almost like a bridge between my corporate world right. and the new comedy world that I wanted to go into they gave me free improv classes um, and they were the ones that actually asked me to teach stand-up comedy later down the road so it was pretty cool uh so that's what happened like and then my cousin was living in New York he had an extra bedroom so I could stay with him for free for for a little bit so uh yeah it all kind of dovetailed together so the job in New York happen stand up me I just did it for a few months in Boston before being able to come to New York City and I don't know if you know this but the creek and the cave open mic which is supposed to be the roughest most clickish open mic in New York I was living right down the street from there and so it's just like little newbie open micer I was going to like one of the roughest open mics in New York City I had no idea I was like okay this is just how open mics are
2: yeah yeah well yeah and a lot of them are so. and,
0: and i know that's true but this is like even worse than usual
2: <laughs> for sure no totally yeah so did you get on stage and like talk about islam and take a hijab off your head it didn't go that <laughs> bad right you didn't shut the place you know camera. i did i <laughs> know
0: <laughs> no, i shed on buddhism instead because you know you stay within your lane
2: <laughs> within your lane oh my gosh that's so true that's good all right oh very nice as an american i cannot be told to stay in my lane i feel like i'm the whole highway so like don't bitch don't tell me to stay in my lane
1: I'm <laughs> <crazy>. <laughs> right.
2: we were talking about like india might change its name to Bharat and I posted about it and a friend of mine who now she left uh Bangalore she's living in Toronto and she goes I love how we both have an opinion she dms me she goes I love how we both have an opinion on what India should do even though we don't live there and I go I'm an American man I have an opinion on everything okay I don't need <laughs> right <laughs> permission i'm just gonna go and say what i think yeah so- i had
0: this one american follower who reshared my post so i think i was sharing a post about i mean there were like protests outside the u.s embassy right so that was probably one of the, sh- the posts that i shared yeah and then he reshared that he's an asian-american so i think that's um even more notable than it was like a white american or a black american because like he has asian roots because what malaysians were saying is that this is going against asian values it's not asian right to be doing jokes like these. And so an Asian American retweeted it and he had a pretty significant following to like seventy five thousand or something. He yeah. said, and he said, You know what? Note if I'm in America and saying something in America, you can't do that, they sh- you can't do fucking shit about it. All right. So shut the fuck up. Like he got pretty like, aggressive, yeah. you know. So I was like, Oh, well, that's pretty cool. Like people speaking out for me, like an Asian American too, with like a, a
2: following. And he's absolutely That is a big deal. I mean, how much of that do you feel as as fellow Asians? I mean, do you feel that like you you swear? I assume in your in your comedy and you're you're fairly edgy and all those things. Did you feel edgy?
0: I I wouldn't say I'm real edgy. I'm not Andrew Schultz, but
2: this no no. uh, no, and, Andrew Schultz is probably as far as it goes. I mean, he, Shane Gillis, you know, Joe Rogan. Some of these guys are definitely, you know, oh, yeah. uh, not good or bad. It's just they're they're certainly on the. Uh, I mean, good in my opinion. But on yeah, on, on that side too. of it, the the edgy side of it. Mm-hmm. Do you um is that was that a decision point for you? Given you know being Asian and having a, being a lawyer and all the other, you know, pressures that come with, you know, not, not only being Asian, but also just the upper class of society, Georgetown law, not just (laughs) Georgetown law. Did, did, was that a consideration for you to like, should I stay clean and on the up and up or you're like, no, dude, I'm, I'm going to be me. I don't care.
0: Yeah, I mean, when I first started, there was a lot of advice that you needed need to be clean to get ahead, to get on late night TV, to get mm. corporate gigs. Um, that that clean was actually the way to go. And Zana Garch is definitely a, a prime example of how that's really yep. benefited at her. But I, I mean, one, Who the hell wants to do corporate gigs, really? And huh, two, I. It's not so easy for me to stay clean. I mean, I have to really make a conscious effort. Mm
2: -hmm. Um, It's not how you talk.
0: It's not how I talk. Yeah, I mean, even in college, when I came to America for college, I had a bit of a potty mouth. So I remember one day going to my dorm room and my boyfriend at the time that was like putting soap in his mouth. I was like, why are you putting soap in your mouth? He's like, so I can kiss you and wash your mouth. (laughs)
2: <laughs> well, at least he was doing a taste of his own medicine. He wasn't doing something that hurt him. He's like, he's like uh, oh, quite we, empathetic. We split it. <laughs> yeah, right. I don't know how um, vulgar
0: I am. I guess I don't know why, um, but.
2: Yeah. Where so do you get that from? Is that, is that like a, is, I mean, my guess is stereotypically to be like, Hey, I'm just going to fight against the, you know, the patriarchy or whatever else it is or racism or sexism or whatever. But is it, or you're like, no, dude, it's not that political. Like that's just how I talk. You got it. Yeah, from It a... wasn't
0: a conscious decision for sure, but I have a rebellious streak, Rajiv So mm. um, in high school, I was always considered the very naughty girl within the context of my all-girl high school when I went to a co-ed school the boys took over in terms of how naughty they could be so that I was like more of an angel compared to the boys but in my all girl school compared to girls I was one of the naughtiest kids in school if not the naughtiest uh, I only got away with it because I was smart so I could do well so I never got kicked out of school yeah. but I was behavior white I was considered very naughty so maybe the cussing is also a bit more of this like anti-establishment rebellious nature in me I, I say what I want I say what I think I don't miss my words a bit of that natural badass rebel energy mm-hmm. that I think came through in the in the Malaysian incident as well yeah uh, I wasn't purposely trying to be all what the, the news was calling defiant and unrepentant one news article was like justin chia unrepentant i was like repent you do have to repent
2: for doing a fucking job good that's hilarious it's so it's yeah. so repent. backwards <laughs> yeah that's that's amazing did you <laughs> feel like did you feel like the backlash you got and i think you've been asked this before but i'm, I'm curious um uh, I mean, how much, did, did you receive a lot of misogyny, a lot of chauvinism thrown your way? Do you think that you weathered it differently? Because I don't love the term people of color and I've got my own hangups about it. But like the fact that you're a person of color, that you're a woman, I mean, do you think it landed different, landed differently for you? <laughs>
0: yeah. I heard, have heard this um, being thrown around as a reason for the extra hate. Sure. I'm not 100% sure because there's no real objective test for this. Right. But based on the amount of hate my male comedian friends got, there was a Malaysian comic that had posted that, hey, I, I find this joke funny or like, I love this bit. Like, he actually wrote that he loved this bit because he had seen me perform it. You know, it's one thing to like see something in taken out of context of an entire set mm-hmm. on a little edited clip where you can't, can't even see the, the full delivery that I do, right? So, but he had already seen it in a performance so I can see why he would comment oh yeah I love this bit, because he saw it before yeah. um he got a lot of hate just like just for defending my joke and saying that he loved it oh so much hate um and that comedian the one who owned the comedy club he got a lot of hate too. um another Singaporean comedian many years ago he had done a joke uh, about the Malaysian prime minister kind of like implying that he was a thief and he got so much blowback. Ironically, that prime minister is now in jail for embezzlement. metal oh. He is
2: wow. It so so wasn't even just right. joking;
0: he was just speaking the truth. Yeah. Um, but he had so much hate. So, like, did I get more hate than them? Probably was it because I'm a woman? I can't say for sure. Just because the male comics also got a lot of hate. So, is it just our Malaysians? I mean, there was one post on on an Instagram posts that say oh you know Malaysians are like the number two in cyberbullying." I was like number two I thought they might be like number
2: <laughs> you, one. you got I them to be number one
0: yeah I thought they'd be number one but the fact that they were like acknowledging that they're number two I was like, oh maybe Malaysians is just like bigger cyberbulliers than the other countries I don't know um so I personally can't say for sure but there have been a lot of people that say being a woman and it's like male comics say this like female comedians sure. get a lot more hate online than yeah. male comedians. Um Troy Bond had posted a video with his female co-host and I think I think um the female co-host had said um oh it's your Indian name like something about instead of saying Native American, she said Indian instead. And 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 the and Troy Bond corrected her. He was like, it's Native American. And she goes, Oh, sorry. And just for that, for that one little faux part, she got so much hate in the comments that he had wow. to just delete it. Wow. So it, it's extraordinary that women get shit on so much more. So I would say, yeah, okay, maybe it's a, a strong possibility that being a, a woman got me to be hated a lot more. Um right. the racial component has been raised as well because um in, in, in Malaysia, they are majority Malay. I think there's some resentment of the Chinese population because they are richer, they do better, or something like that. So, you know, that has been raised as a an example. But they have also been pretty brutal to their own Malay. So I'm like, I don't know. Is a is an argument that has been raised until there's like in some kind of empirical study as a sociology background person. I can't say for sure.
2: Yeah, no, that's really well said. I'm actually trying to look it up right now. I did find an article that reads, Malaysia is second in Asia for youth cyberbullying. And so it doesn't doesn't tell me who's number one. I hope it's it's India just because I just, I want to win everything. So (laughs) Yeah,
0: actually, when I saw that comment, I was like, who's number one? And then the Malaysian replied, you, like meaning me.
2: (laughs) Yeah, you. You, the state of Jocelyn. The yeah, state Chia.
0: of Jocin Chia is the number one cyberbullier in Malaysia. This is how fucking retarded they are, you know, like they can't tell the difference between cyberbullying and a freaking joke told by a yeah. professional comedian on the number one comedy club in the world.
2: Yeah, right. It's it's I, I hear you totally. It's good to see that comedians have come to your defense. Um who who else have you interacted with uh, since this, I mean, you mentioned Judd Apatow and Mike Birbiglia, anybody big, I'm kidding. Obviously those are massive names. Anyone else that that's really kind of touched you and go, wow, that's, that's cool that that person reached out or tweeted or whatever it was. Uh,
0: let's see. Well, I mentioned talk to Shane Gillis. I mean, talk about a good person to talk to, to get yeah. advice and to deal with it. Right. So that was pretty fortunate. I made to talk to him and get advice from him. He was pretty helpful. Good. My friend, actually, someone who I started out with, Ashley Gavin, do you know about her situation?
2: No, I don't think I do. And what's ironic about Shane Gillis is he was canceled from SNL for making those anti-Chinese statements. I know. And That's so funny. A it comes to a circle. Girl.
0: I, it comes to a circle and now he's helping a Chinese out. Yeah, it's pretty funny. Ryan Long reached out to say, you know, this is this kind of thing. The, the hate seldom lasts as long as the benefits do. Like the benefits last longer. Oh. And it's still, like I just got on Fox, got on my late night. My, I made my late night debut on Gutfeldt. Which,
2: congratulations
0: thank you just a couple of weeks ago and at the time it was the only late, late night show still running right because all the others were shut down until just this past week or so sure. um and it's the number one in, in viewership two million views so and that was in end of september so like four months later i'm still seeing the benefits and i got on that because one of the writers who saw my newsweek article writing about how I stood up against cancel culture and didn't back down did not apologize uh and he knows me as a fellow comedian too so he knows I'm funny and then he saw the article and then he told the the gut felt people about me and they're like yeah man let's have her on uh so the bets are still playing out like several months later uh the hate has I'll say mostly died down. I mean they'll still say stupid things like it. Like we I, once this podcast gets released, you're gonna see comments like when we do our collab. I I assume we're gonna do a collab of, of like
2: why is she still talking about this it? before?
0: I'm like, bitch, I'll talk about this till the till the day I die if I fucking want to, okay? Like yeah. shut the fuck up. Like, who are they to tell us like how long we can talk about something for? And actually gonna experience the same thing. So this happened to her in June. And then she finally released a podcast episode talking about it just a couple of weeks ago. And people are like, why are you so talking about it? This this happened in June. And I'm like, when this is like a really major event in in someone's life, of course they're going to talk about it. You're just some internet hater. or." I was on the
2: cover of the New York Times. I'm going to talk about this. This is a defining moment for me and my culture and the field and it has broader implications than some heckler on Instagram.
0: This has way broader implications, yeah, for our craft and where is cancel culture leading to? Like, how how far are you guys gonna push comedians? I mean, this, this came on the back of um, Chris Rock getting punched on the face and Dechapel De getting, getting, yeah, Dechapel getting tackled. And the woman
2: in Jersey, I, was that at Stress Factory where they threw a beer? Someone threw they a beer threw at, a at beer.
0: her. Yeah, yeah. So this was. Like, on the back of all yeah. that, it was a, a bigger reason why I felt like I'm going to take a fucking stand because... Yeah. And a Singaporean comedian came on the Comedy Cellar podcast and say getting cancelled by Malaysia is a rite of passage for Singaporeans. Mine was probably the biggest they had ever done by like every Singaporean comedian. Like pisses Malaysia off and they will try and cancel them. But the Singaporean comedians, they don't really have the clout to stand right. up against the Malaysia. At least that's my perspective. Like they don't have the clout to stand up to Malaysia because they are still Singaporean. Whereas I'm American, I was like, well, as an American, I can stand out to fucking Malaysia, right? right. I don't need that water. <laughs> so yeah. I was like, you know, for all the times that <laughs> Malaysia shat on Singaporean comedians, I'm going to take a stand for them, for like the broader comedy community in general just getting canceled. So that's why it really freaking pissed me off when a couple of Singaporean comedians actually um, criticized me publicly. Oh, yeah. What I do they like, say? Fucking assholes. I'm doing this like for Singaporean comedians and you guys are like turning your back against me. So one girl, Shahruh
2: Chana, Oh, Indian.
0: The oh, the two. The two. Freaking oh, Indians, man. Hey, let's <laughs> go.
2: Let's go. Oh, boy. No, yeah. you can say whatever. I'm not sensitive. So if it's Indians, let's let's go. Let's, <laughs> let's hear it. That's, you don't have to pull any punches with me.
0: Yeah, so there's one Indian female comedian. She's like the, the the main comedian in Singapore um that really performs like you know, your 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 seller comedians versus like an open mic comedian. Mm-hmm. Um and she so she's like a, a professional comedian. In Singapore. I think she's the only professional in Singapore from what I can tell. So she was the one. A little two-faced cause like to me she's like, Hey Jocelyn, you know, I need to like post something to like um You know, just because I'm going to be performing in Malaysia soon. So I'm going to post something just like soothe things out. But just know that I love you and I will always support you. Like so fucking hypocritical. Hey, she
2: should move to L.A. She
0: should move to la I know. Yeah, and then she posted like, "Oh yeah, you know, I I I shouldn't have posted this joke. It's not funny. I wouldn't want someone shitting on my country." And la la la, and like just went on at two posts. Like people were screenshotting and sending me two. Like, I was like, one wasn't enough. Bitch, you posted two, and then put it in her stories. Like the other Singaporean comedians that had shared this joke, they just it like they just deleted it and like just just shut their fucking mouth up i know she didn't make a whole big deal about it and then she did a bit about it apologizing to malaysia oh and she went like sorry malaysia sorry malaysia like what sucking malaysia's cock so much this is nuts
2: (laughs) (laughs) oh my gosh okay okay so this is one indian female comic
0: the one indian female comic yeah and then the then the other huh
2: and then the other you said
0: and then there's another one who is a drag queen in Singapore. Drag queen. I think he considers himself a stand-up comedian. I'm not 100% sure whether I would consider him a stand-up comedian. But like he he would do a drag queen show and then tell some jokes as well. So, I mean, he considers himself a stand-up comedian. I'll so just like for, the, for like the label. Let's say he's a stand-up comedian. Okay. His was a lot worse because he was like, um, you know, I think there is something wrong with you. You need to get mental health um this is
2: to you or this is public
0: perfect. he posted a public video like shitting on my mental health i'm like really just irony in this like you are a so-called comedian adding to the hate of another comedian that would by most standards affect that comedian's mental health right so he's like
2: piling on and saying why don't you get help but I'm I'm attacking you at the same time it be like if I'm just hitting you in the face and be like you know what you should take care of your physical health and I'm literally punching you in the face.
0: Yeah. be like punching me in the face and being like, you know what? You should go for a facial.
2: <laughs> yeah. Right. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Definitely. <laughs> Dave Chappelle's uh, ending story of bird revelation, you know, like she, you should be so grateful that you're the one who helped her that she'll forget that you're the one who beat her ass in the first place.
0: Yeah, that's exactly right. And, but the interesting thing about both that polls was that it was pretty clear that they were worried about their rice bowl, the money, like the, the, Oh, the ring it that they're going to make from Malaysia, which is like four to one, like Malaysia versus singapore dollars so like you know i don't know 10 to 10 ring it for one u.s dollar something like that. so it's like okay
2: so the the point is there's not as much money in malaysia as there is in singapore
0: uh no i'm saying like the currency exchange i understand that yeah yeah yeah. so like that's even like that isn't even that much money to be made in malaysia but i guess they have a bigger population so maybe that's why they were so worried about their money because in in the indian in the female comics um post when someone was like why are you apologizing for her she's like I'm not, I'm just, you know, trying to make sure that all the hard work I put in to like develop relationships and, and perform in Malaysia doesn't, doesn't go away just because I, I I shared this joke. And then the Indian comic too, he's like, you know, you know, for all those of us who like do work in Malaysia, like they were very, um, their their own income.
2: Yeah. Yeah, looking out for their own thing. By, looking by, by out for their own you. thing, yeah. Yeah, by, by crapping all over you. Which is, that's, yeah, that's very self-interested. And, you know, comics are self-interested, but not hopefully at the expense of other comics right that's i mean that's what you that... would
0: think yeah and ironically it was the malaysian comics a couple of Malai- like i said the one that that had commented on it and then there was another uh, in- <laughs> so like to speak up for indians
2: <laughs> yeah. an indian uh, yeah. if you want
0: <laughs> <laughs> an indian comic in malaysia has started tweeting uh he he tweeted oh all of a sudden everyone's an expert in comedy and he was getting so much blowback on his twitter that he just like he just um
2: deleted his twitter a for, for a little bit but
0: but he tried, yeah, he yeah. tried, and, and the irony is that both of the comics that spoke out for me, the Malaysian comics, are the the two Malaysian comics with Netflix specials, like, that mean, that's how legit they are, right, and so, yeah. the and the Singaporean comics criticizing me, obviously, they don't have a Netflix special, they're not
2: even... Nah. The- <laughs> so who cares about their opinion. That's- yeah,
0: and then the really, really famous Malaysian comics, I mean, I guess I... I maybe i won't name names but just by saying how famous they are i think people have a, an, an idea because they were the ones that malaysians were tagging so and so check out this joke so and so check out this joke and they are like so on my side you oh know? good so pro me i guess they just don't want to be like public about it because yeah. they don't want the hate to blow that way because they saw yeah. what happened to um uh the the malaysian comic that spoke up and the malaysian comic that spoke up for me for me is pretty known so he did get a lot of okay he's it. indian Uh, the 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 there's one Chinese and one Indian.
2: Okay, and so yeah, I they're in a tough spot. Yeah, and it's it's good that you understand that, and not that you need me to say that it's good that you understand it, but it is because you know they're sort of like, hey, here's my profession, but then here's my ethnicity, right? So they're in clash where it's like if I speak up for Jocelyn Chia as a comic, that's great, but at the same time, I'm kind of like not selling out my country because I'm saying what I think, but. They don't want to get the blowback, not only from their fans, but also probably from the leaders and everything else. So they're, they're Yeah, a...
0: and that's what um, some of the critics were saying about one of the Malaysian comics that defended me. Like, oh, shame on you. You can't even defend your own country. And yeah. and now that you mentioned the ethnicity, I think that I didn't think about it at the time. But yeah, that, that ethnicity also plays into it. Um, there was a Malaysian that came to my show after this blew up. And I was like, "Oh, why, why are you at my show? I thought you'd be a hater." And and she said, "Oh, nah, I'm not Muslim." <laughs> I was like, "Really? It's more of a religious, ethnic thing." That oh, that was yeah. so interesting. I mean, I'm sure there are Chinese M- Malaysians who are sure. a-
2: against me too, but uh, you're know, her- like, I don't want to leave them out. I've I pissed off all of Malaysia. Like, I want I want them all to hate me because I hate them back now. So
0: yeah, but actually, that but that gets actually a little bit more refined, right? So when I say Malaysian and I are sworn enemies,
2: yeah,
0: I also have a little bit of um a caveat about that right because okay. when you look at it statistically they have 33 million people in Malaysia how many actually tried to review bomb the seller 4,000 4, out of 33 million is a very minuscule fraction right I mean very let, me, small. let me just pull up my calculator here 4,000 <laughs> over by...
2: 33 million yeah my gosh that's like
0: what 0.0001 percent. and okay that was just a seller that was just like who posted my clip but in terms of like the amount of people like shitting on me, and obviously I don't read my comments. I mean sometimes I'll, I'll see like a little bit, but you know, if I, if I just happened to look on, on a video just to see the number of comments that were made. Yeah. Oh, yeah. by the way, I became a YouTube partner thanks to Malaysia and ah. I got IG verified, like not the paid kind, like the old school verified. Yeah. Um, TikTok reached out to ask if I wanted the blue check all because of Malaysia. So like a lot of good things came out of it. But when I look at the <laughs> number of comments, it's still very disproportionate to the number of people in Malaysia. So sometimes when I think, do I really hate? all of malaysia of course i can't say that right because there have been malaysians who have been like you know i'm a supporter of you or like right. um, my my uh someone went to the reddit to look at the comments and she was actually saying oh the Singaporeans were more annoying the Malaysians were the ones that actually understood there was a joke so I was like and because I don't bother reading almost anything that's been ri- written about me for the sake of my mental health I'm not going go okay. to go into reddit and be like oh what do these people say like no I don't care okay I'll, but the fact that you, that someone objected on my side is saying the Malaysians were actually pretty understanding at least on reddit and the Singaporeans were more annoying makes me think, okay, it's probably not all of Malaysia, like in anything or most things, it's the vocal minority. Yep. Yep. Um, in this case, do I really think it's the minority? Probably might be the majority that's offended, but it will be a minority that actually tried to hate on me and shit on me and cancel me and harass me. So that's my my the perspective that I would like to take. Like It's not the whole country just hating on me. They may be offended, but they're not actually acting on it. So When I say I hate the whole country, I have to say, like, I hate the part of the country that's actively trying to attack me. (laughs) It's
2: my, like, lawyerly... No, that makes sense. That clarification makes sense, too. I mean, when you say you don't read all these comments, is that you really don't? I mean, are you... You have that kind of willpower to... Do you want to and you fight that urge? Or do you go, you know what? I really just don't give a crap.
0: I only read it if it happens to come into my eyesight. Like, I'm not going into my comments to read it. Although, I must say... Sometimes if you accidentally read something, at least for me, now I'm in that mood. And former lawyer here, okay, once I get into an argument, I get into a fucking argument. Right, sure. I have sure. to win. And then after I win this argument, I'm going to look for the next argument. Yeah. And so I have found that if it accidentally gets into my eye eyeballs, meaning if it, like, shows up in my notifications, right? And so I I already, for, for a long time, I just read my priority notifications just so I right. was reading the hate. But if there was like one notification right underneath the priority and my eyes happened to see, then now sure. I have to clap back. Now I'm, like, I'm in like attack back mode, get into that fight. Okay, slapped you down. Who else wants the fucking fight? And yeah, then, like, notice, like, on occasion, I will go around hunting for more people to fight. So yeah. that is when I need to have the willpower to pull yeah. back. So the first time I see a hate comment will be on accident, not because I intentionally wanted to look at it. And then once I'm in that mood, then I have to exercise willpower, and I don't always manage to succeed. But most of the time, I manage to succeed because it's a waste of your time and energy.
2: It well, it is, and I think a lot of comics they limit their careers because they end up just becoming professional social media comment repliers. And oh gosh, I have. I mean, I it have helps
0: a... your algorithm, though. I mean, we know how successful Zana she replies to everything because she says it boosts your your algo and she even replies to her haters just to boost her algo but yeah thank you for your feedback you know I
2: I it's true you're supposed to and for me I am so combative naturally that like I have a policy at funnyindian.com it's literally my own policy I can change it anytime but Mm -hmm. I just go I'm not going to respond to any social media comments I don't I'll react I'll put like a heart or a laugh Mm -hmm. or whatever else but I don't respond to any of them and People say you're messing up your own ad. That's why you have only 10K followers on Instagram. Like you need to respond. I'm like, I'm not going to do that for the followers. They're like, well, then you're going to be stuck where you are. I'm like, well, then so be it because I have my mental health and I have, I'm have, a real person. And, you know, that's an avatar and that's fine. That's me online. But I've, I'm a real human being and I, I don't want to get caught up in that because yes, uh, so you my, yeah, my, my friend Josh Yu, he's uh, Korean, obviously he's, uh, lives in America, but in ni- probably the nicest person I've ever met. But he had two policies, and now Uber is here, so it doesn't matter as much. But he wouldn't help you move, and he wouldn't give you a ride to the airport. And he said, "I just am not going to do those two things." But otherwise, he I'm honestly, unironically, the nicest guy I know. And, <laughs> you'd flip and you'd you'd forget. You're like, "Hey, Josh, can you drive me to the airport on Saturday?" He'd be like, "Policy, bro." <laughs> oh,
0: that's so funny. You know, I, mean, I have a Asian friend. Yeah, Yeah. not Korean. Is he Korean? So he actually told me, and in a way, I got a little lucky. So I had a video go very viral before my Malaysia joke. The second to last collab with a seller had a couple million views. Wow. And it was mostly very good comments, but there were a few haters, right? So any kind of viral video, when it's that viral, you are bound to get some haters. And so that actually was my training wheels. To handle Malaysia Gates. So based on that experience, I could talk to comics on how they handle their haters. And one comic was like you, he goes, just don't read the comments. And he said, yeah. because the good feeling you get from the love is less than the bad feeling yeah. you get from the hate. And yeah. so he told me that. And so because I had that, I spoke to Zana before about how she deals with haters. Yeah. Um Spoke to other pretty pretty high up comedians. Yeah. So when when joke gate first happened, I immediately knew what to do. I was like shutting down comments or getting people to monitor my comments. Got people to monitor my inbox. I had a auto reply on my inbox because now they're like attacking my my email. Thankfully, it was an email I don't really use that much, but. Okay. They were attacking it. And so, and this is how, you know, I'm such a a rebel and a punk since young. I had an autoresponder set up for my email and I said, if you're a Malaysian trying to hate on me over a joke, get a fucking life. And then I was like, you know what? I have like, I have, like, uh, my assistant monitoring this inbox, so I'm not even going to read your shit. You just wasted your time. Oh, boo-hoo. But yeah. if this is an actually important email, I will get back to you after yeah. it's been forwarded to me. Yeah, I'm <laughs> such a freaking
2: <laughs> I love that, though. You, you, you have to let people know because, it, to me, it's—see, for me— The real feedback to your point about being in the room and in context, if I have a show and look, most of my shows go really well, I'm I'm good at my job. But if I have a show that does not go well, I still stand by the door. Like I, I will still, Uh I will eat my lumps. If, if I'm going to soak up the adulation, I will, I will eat my lumps when it's time. Really? yeah because oh, to I just like fucking leave you, you got it to me it's like people like don't take it personally I'm like I take all the love personally I gotta take <laughs> it like, I, I when I, when they say you're the funniest person I've ever seen I, I'm like well that person said that so it's like <laughs> I will sit there and I will you know as long as I'm mentally up for it And there have only been a couple of times in my career where I'm like okay I don't think I can go out there that was pretty damn bad but
0: why do you, you know, do that like why do you want to take the luck does it, does it spur you on to be better or something what's the reason
2: yeah, I think it, it makes me uh, better. I think it's more honest. I think that I still owe the crowd that. Like, again, if I'm going to be the guy who's, again, just uh, taking those compliments and soaking it up and taking all the selfies and whatever else, when it's great, it's like, well, then, you know, don't you, uh, here's what I try to do too. Like when I'm driving or whatever else, like there are times where I'm in a hurry and I'm in a hurry a lot because I'm late, as you know. <laughs> and so I'm late. And so it's like, I'm in a hurry, but there are days where I'm not in a hurry. I'm letting everybody in. I'm like, all right, go ahead, go in, whatever. Because wow. it's like... Like I hope because I'm I'm Hindu we believe in karma so for me it's like the day that like I can afford to like slow down a little bit which those days are not very few and they're they're they are few and far between I I try to I don't know I I, I still feel like I have that relationship with my audience and I owe that to them
0: Wow interesting yeah. I was actually talking to my sister about what is how do you describe it because I was, I was like I just call myself a punk I was like what like then you like Autoresponder, like, yeah, F you, you know, you ain't getting to me. Yeah. You it is very punk. It's very punky, right? So I, I thought I was yeah. just being like a total punk. Or and and my friend was like, You were you've been trolling this country for months because I would I would just, I would like show them how well I was doing thanks to them. I'll be like, Thank you, Malaysia. Blow yeah, up get this, you help me get that. In fact, I just after I got on Godfell, I went on on I went on, oh yeah, I went on social media. I was like, Malaysia, I dedicate this song to you. It's like, yeah, bitch, I said what I said. <laughs> and yeah, you know, I uh, I just care about being famous instead. Like, cause they got me so famous because yeah. of what I said, right? So yeah. I was like, yes, yeah, dedicated to you. I, I'm such a punk. And so I asked my sister, I was like, what, wh- what, what, how do you describe me? Like, how am I? Like, the only way I could come up with was I'm just a punk. And she's like, you're unfuckwithable. Like,
2: oh, that's good.
0: That's so much better than thinking I'm just a punk.
2: <laughs> that is good. That's a very ownable word. I like that. Very that's,
0: ownable that's a word. word. Yeah. Very I like good.
2: That. I love that. No, that that's really well done. I I mean, is there a part of you, the human part of you, that does understand, not that the comic part isn't human, but we can sometimes feel very inhuman, I think. As of comics. course,
0: yeah. Do, do, do you get it?
2: Country. Do you get that the fact that Malaysia is in pain, they lost two planes, whatever, like there's a part of you that goes, okay, like, look, the joke's funny, and it is. Otherwise, I wouldn't have interviewed you, and I wouldn't have said it was funny but I didn't think it right. was. It is. But is there a part of you that goes, okay, I, I kind of see it.
0: I mean, I do see it, for sure, um, logically speaking, right? Like, if you were, if you never saw comedy a day of your life, or you were exactly. only exposed to very vanilla, safe comedy, totally, I understand why those people don't freaking understand, but because as an a New York comedian yes. exposed to 9-11 jokes and mass shooting jokes, Louis C.K., right? right? And just shot. Like, this is my exposure. That person. So it depends on what kind of person you're. If you're a person that knows comedy, you've seen all these kind of comedians, Jimmy Carr, etc., you'll be like, why are they so freaking sensitive? So I had to put myself in the shoes of, like, almost a comedy virgin or it's more Malaysian-style comedy, which one Asian com- comic was describing as um, much more slapstick. Actually, a couple of Asian comics were, were describing it as, like, more slapstick. You know, they definitely don't go really dark or edgy there. So
2: Imitations and mimicry and very Mimicry,
0: levels. yeah. Or, or, you know, I'm a man. oh no, now I'm a woman. Uh-huh. Yeah. Like that kind. Yeah.
2: Very yeah. sticky Excellent,
0: kind of uh, trophy sticky. stuff. Yeah. Um, so when I put myself in like the shoes of those, of course I can get it.
2: Yeah. Okay. No. That it's just it's good to have that human connection still, right? It's it's kind of like wow, okay, who cares? But it's like no. But I mean, it's like to we don't want to lose our humanity because I feel like comics are that. I mean, that's what happened with, you know, Hassan Minhaj is my old roommate. I, he lived with me for a couple of years here oh in L.A. So we've been in touch a lot since the news dropped and all of that good stuff. It's been, you know, really great to talk to him on the phone and see how he's doing and check in with him. And, hmm. you know, I think it's good that a lot of comics came to your public defense because a lot of comics have not come to his defense. And I've even texted some of our mutual friends with a bigger profile than I have. I did. I I wrote a piece about him. He read it and he goes, "Yeah, that's fine for you to post." And it was pretty critical. I mean, he he goes, "I appreciate the the honest feedback." I mean, it was a critical post, but I but I also opened by saying I'm I'm a fan of his. And I closed by saying he's the same guy he's always been. He 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 returns my calls. I, I you know I look him up, whatever. He's been really really a great friend for. So for you actually critical years. of him? Yeah, I was quite critical of him. Yeah.
0: Oh, interesting. I mean, I wouldn't say a lot of comics have publicly stood up so and i was discussing this with other comedians and and i think they were saying i mean how many times have you stood up for another comedian right and and so i think it's very much like okay if it's i mean a lot there's a lot of private support sure but a lot of times it's like uh well we don't want to create trouble for ourselves etc um or like, well, this is not really my business, so I mean, I definitely appreciate the few who have stood up, and I've had two articles written in my support, so that was pretty cool, I'm not even a Hasan Minaj level comedian, I had two articles that I know of, um, yeah. written in in the, in defense of Jocelyn Chia was one of them, or um, the criticism of Jocelyn Chia is the joke, that was the other article, that's great, so that was pretty cool, yeah, um, you're talking about
2: yeah, because Whoopi yeah. Goldberg came to his defense on the View, but not really. Like, she hadn't really even read it. It was just a very general, like, "Well, this is what comedians do," and it's like, oh, "Well, yeah, we know that. We know that that's not the issue. Like, embellishing something for a laugh is not the issue. Every- people know that comedians do that, and if you're not doing that, then you don't really have a craft. That you just you might live a life where all this crazy shit happens to you, and you tell it. But yeah, there are people like that. I have people who like they can just crazy shit happens to them and they talk about yeah. it at a cocktail party but they're not stand-up comics and i mean
0: honestly when i saw i mean hassan's two specials were just mind-blowing to me and i was like yeah. oh my life is just so not that interesting to have a special like this and so yeah. the year that he like made it up i was like oh i have a yeah. chance i can just up too. <laughs> I <Yeah>. mean, I'm-,
2: <laughs> I'm holding myself to the standard like why did i yeah why am i like I a fascinating life, life? Yeah, why don't I why not I make all this stuff up? Yeah, I think that there is and maybe that is sort of like where comics are coming from, going, man, I could have probably come up with a special and I think that was <laughs> it too. It's like what I wrote in my article and I wrote to him at the end was, you know, I don't care if you play me for laughs, just don't play me for tears.
0: Oh, I see what you're saying. Yeah, yeah. It was you felt emotionally manipulated. mm
2: yeah, and and I and, and I think members of the community, like I have an entertainment meetup where we meet here once a month. We have it's it's turned into mostly South Asian for some reason, mostly Indian <laughs> in fact. And you know, it's just I sent it out to everybody, but it became that became that. And you know, the the word was probably no less than betrayal. Like a lot of our community feels betrayed. Now I wouldn't go that far. I wouldn't use that word. But I'm like, wow, there were people. There was a lot of pain. There were a lot of people like, man, I I really thought that he was a voice of our community and this and that. I'm like guys, you're going a little far. Like I I don't know if I would go that. That far but you know observe and report it's, it's out well there.
0: you know that's like how singaporeans were like oh you're a disgrace to singapore <laughs> like hello i'm not prime minister i'm not even anymore like the, the the level that people hold comics to is even higher than they hold politicians and we're your yes. fucking yeah. country this is nuts but to your point about having that humanity and being able to relate to yeah. what um these malaysians were feeling look if they had come to me with a, a civil mm-hmm. share right and which is not going to happen in this day and age that does not happen but hypothetically speaking if yeah. they had come to me the way a friend, of mine did, a friend of mine is malaysian she lost five people in their airplane and i this would have gone very differently i may yeah. have actually apologized to them right if it was like a human to human interaction yeah But uh, because they came at me such hey then then my fuck you backside is gonna come out so it's not that I was opposed to apologizing. It was the yes. way they totally. were at me that made me like, fuck you, man. I'm not freaking Dude, apologizing.
2: You know, I could not agree more, Jocelyn. And I always say, you know, we offend the mind, but we hurt the heart. In other words, if you're offended, I don't care if you're offended. Like offense is taken, not given. If you're offended, so what? Go, you know, F off. But mm. if you're hurt, when I mean, you come to me and you're like, man, that joke you told, I got to be honest, just like. Person to person, man, that hurt. That mm-hmm. hurt me. I'm like, jeez, okay, ah, like you're being so lame right now. But <laughs> I'm like, okay, if you if you're really genuinely hurt, all yeah, right, you're genuinely I hurt,
0: it's not just fake outrage or not just no. outrage, not just crocodile al- tears, but like actual yeah. hurt. Yeah, and, and I, because I actually gave this serious consideration whether or not to apologize. I gave it yeah. some serious sure. thought. And my analogy was, okay, I cannot apologize for telling the joke in the first place. This was a fucking good joke. I was doing my job. I'm at the number one club in the world and it's getting amazing laughs. I'm like known at the seller for this joke, right? Like Louis yes.
2: C.K. loves this joke. And other comics are like, oh my God, I love that joke. And so- as a comic, I love you for it. That's why I wanted to have you on. Because I'm like, yes, you are doing, you are, you are championing free speech for com- for comics. That was my original reason I reached out to you. So I was Googling, I'm like, I hope she hasn't apologized yet because we've scheduled this so far out. It was like, I hope <laughs> she <hasn't- laughs> really- And I, so no, I so. no will. I'm, I'm glad that you haven't. So yeah.
0: Yeah. And- and my analogy was like, I can't apologize for doing the joke in the first place, just like you won't, you cannot apologize for walking down the street, but if you accidentally step on someone's foot, right. most decent people will be like, oh, sorry. And right. so in my, in my head, my analogy was like, I can't apologize for doing the joke because it's just like walking down the street, the street. But I, I feel like I can apologize if I actually like step on someone's heart, right? Like stepping on a foot, stepping on someone's heart. So I was actually open to that. I was right. actually very open to doing that. But then they were coming at me with me so much shittiness that I was like,
2: Did you step on my foot? What's wrong with you? Like, if you come at me like that, I'm like, Well, I would have said sorry, but you reacted yeah. so strongly that right. now I'm not sorry because. You're, that was a ridiculous overreaction. Like, what are you trying to do? You're oh, trying to destroy my career. All I'm doing is walking down the street. I'm sorry, it was an accident. Yeah. Okay. Like, I meant to sort of step on your foot. I didn't mean to, like, smash your foot. Because <laughs> <gonna make> <laughs> so it's like, you were kind of ribbing them a little bit, right? Yeah. But you weren't trying to hurt them hard. And they took yeah. it that way. And it's like, person, yeah. that's that. And
0: that's- also, that's- I wasn't was was performing, cool. performing to Malaysians, right? I was performing to Americans. Right. So if I had been right. in Malaysia... And would I have done this joke in Malaysia? I would have oh, that's a, that's a better it.
2: question than anything I've asked. So yeah, you you asked that question and you answered it. Would you have done it Yeah, long I would ago?
0: have actually tried it. And here's why. Malaysian comedians do MH370 jokes all the time. Like there is a, a comic who went on the Seller podcast and he said the exact same thing. Malaysian comics have been doing MH370 jokes for years. Another comic from Asia messaged oh. me like so-and-so. I'm not going to name names because I don't want to sure. hate going that way, but you know, so-and-so. Sure closes with a joke shitting on malaysian airlines when he goes to malaysia singaporean comics also have all these malaysian jokes another singaporean comic again no names he's like i have a similar joke it's like why why can't i get cancelled like they were envying (laughs) all the attention right like they're like but i have a joke like that too why can't i cancel i was on cnn the ppc
2: Totally. Even (laughs) though they don't want the Asian media, but they want the Western media.
0: They want the Western media, right? So because I know that in the comedy club, this joke is fine. And like a Singaporean comic was saying, if she had done this joke in a comedy club in Malaysia, she would have been fine. I've had Malaysian audiences see me do this in America, like in the context of a comedy club. I'm like 90% sure it would have been fine, especially because malaysia audiences actually have a sense of humor like they're very laid back okay cute. so i'm like 90 confidence who had confident it had gone well or at least like even if it doesn't go well it's a comedy club right just move it's on a comedy
2: to- club and i mean and plus i mean something yeah and plus you said they're mostly a muslim country so they're just probably practicing crashing the planes <laughs> Play that one, see how that goes over. Yeah, see how that I'll goes all, I'll over. Tell right? Hassan, I'll tell Huston that one. See how yeah, tell that one. That. Yeah, and as yeah. a
0: comedian in the live audience, because I i think that is where I'm getting to with the the removal of hu- of person to person via the internet. Meaning, when you're in a comedy club and they see you, they feel your energy. Totally. You have all these jokes. That's why I don't open with this joke. This joke is like right smack. Yeah. In the middle, or it used to be my closer, and then now you have a new closer, so it's now in the middle because you have to establish your likability, establish how funny you are. Then you can hit them with a joke like this, right? So there's totally. all that that goes into being able to get away with a joke like this. Um And and when it's a live interaction, they already feel you, they're already loving you. 100%. Even if they don't like the joke, they're not going to be shitting you too hard. Or you can always be like, oh, that didn't work, all right. You know what, I forgot, I thought it was in Singapore. You know, I would have yeah. said something to like save it and then it'll be and we'll just move on so I think that's a problem in social media I'm kind of like leaning towards like my friend my friend Ethan um great comedian he's not on social media at all I'm a comedian who's not on social media and actually now in my career I'm kind of thinking I'll just save jokes for like a live audience. It's where I get yeah. my pleasure from anyway. And maybe forget the whole social media game. I'll, I'll post a little bit here and there, but I'm not going to be obsessive about it. I never have been anyway. Yeah. And not try and, and post too much on social media. No, don't engage. Cause like, like you don't read your comments, yeah. right? I just just because like I said, and like you said, your mental health is number one.
2: Yeah, and I'll and I'll I'll sometimes read them. I'm not saying I'm above reading them because I'm curious and whatever else. I don't get a lot of hate online. I'm, sure. I'm, yeah. You know, I, I just And don't I got, get a got lot.
0: people to vet my comments. Um for, for the longest time I would have people vet my comments. So I was like, well, I still want to read the love. So I actually yeah. got people to like, you know, block the people that that were hating on me so I could like yeah. go in and enjoy the love.
2: How did the Malaysian people in the audience at the seller take it that night? Like I can't totally tell from the tape. Did you talk to them afterwards? Could you tell them? I didn't actually talk fun? to
0: that particular one afterwards um they were and I don't know if it's clear from the video but they interrupted my set first oh. you know so technically I mean I wouldn't call them a heckler they're just wooing I think when someone's just wooing I personally don't call them a heckler but they did interrupt my set with yeah. a ooh. <laughs> I was like oh that's I, still something yeah it's like a it's form of something that so I'm like hey you know when you open up the floodgates to a comedian addressing you uh, you're like asking for it like so they got a little bit more shit (laughs) than otherwise and they hadn't like
2: (laughs) yeah i mean you're you're like the passengers on the second flight that went down you're asking for that point (laughs) that's right (laughs) okay so they, did they respond to you in the moment like did, did you feel good energy like did they because when I think of like you're saying and you've summed it up so well Jocelyn it's like when you're in that room and the, the crowd can tell if you're being mean-spirited or good natured. right the crowd can and that's tell really the dichotomy mean-spirited good natured. did you get the sense that like the warmth from them or did you get a little bit of coldness mm, they from were them, a or? little
0: bit too far I couldn't see them so for that one I couldn't tell but sure, sure. <laughs> I personally, it's very rare to get a Malaysian audience and I know they're there. That means they they make make some noise, right? So it's very rare for a Malaysian to actually like make some noise so that I know they're Malaysian. So it's happened maybe like two or three times and like the hundreds of times that I've done it, but it's like extra freaking fun because now it's like, now you have the roast element involved too. And also the whole audience is seeing and the persona I play is like the girl that got dumped by Malaysia, right? And that's why these Malaysian commenters were like, did she get dumped by a Malaysian guy? Is that why she hates Malaysia? So like, I've never even dated a Malaysian guy. And I nearly clapped back, like, why would I date a Malaysian? But I knew that would just, like, create more shit. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> the yeah, comedian yeah. me wanted to do that. Yeah. Um, no, but yeah, course. so it's actually extra fun when a Malaysian's in the audience because now you get, like, the live roasting, etc. So it's super fun in the live show, but... Of course, taking out contacts and on a yep. phone in, in your bathroom toilet seat. And you're like, what the fuck? Why is she saying fuck you to Malaysia?
2: Yeah, no, Since totally.
0: Actually doing a, a like explanation video at the very least. Like no apologies, but at least to explain to them. But I never got around to doing it. And I'm like, oh, it's so late. Is it even worth doing now? Why is
2: she still talking about it four months later?
0: Yeah, why is she still talking about it four months later? Yeah, exactly. I, so mean, like, I kept maybe procrastinating a... that. I'm like, oh, fuck, it's so late now. This yeah, is why that... action beats perfection. Okay, because I wanted it to be like this perfect thing and blah, blah, right. blah. I kept thinking of how I so perfect. And then now four months later, I'm like, okay, it's
2: probably going to be perfect. And like one person's going to see it. So, Well, how many podcasts have you done on this? How many, how many of these types of interviews have you done?
0: Uh, I mean, I didn't really like talking about it. That's why it took me a while to get back to you. Because I was like, you know, I talked to like so many press. I did a lot of yeah. interviews about it. Yeah. That When it came to podcasts... I think I did one for Fire Org, you know, Fire Org, the free speech organization. Yeah, yep. so I did it with them as a, as a non-profit and promoting free speech. And then Judy Gold's podcast. I think that's about it. And, uh, and then for the others, I was like, I'm a little tired about talking about it. I'm going on vacation. You know, I was pretty busy. I was in the Hamptons and Croatia and Switzerland. So, okay. so, so, yeah. Uh, was- life is so hard after being cancelled by Malaysia. Oh, my God. I can't
2: yeah. go to... Well, well, I mean- how many, how many, no, no, that's why I appreciate you're doing this. And if you do something by, you know, either this podcast or if you do something, you could always do it at the end of the year, like a year-end recap. Here's how my year was, whatever. Mm. And that that could be an organic way of, of addressing it because everybody's looking back and taking stock. And ah, you know,
0: that's, that's interesting. Drop in, in December. My suggesting to me, how about you, because, and, and to one of the questions that you're getting to earlier, how about you do like a... A, a, a video and we were both brainstorming it and she was like maybe more of a, a mini documentary and I was like you know what yep I mean the story hasn't been fully played out but I really like the angle that I'm already creating which is that this happened for me not to me and right. I that was the okay. attitude I went to this from the get-go and I think that's why my attitude was very different from a lot of people that were getting cancelled and like what people have said other comedians were like you know a lot of comedians or other entertainers after something like this they just try to move on you literally stomped on your cancellation to take yourself higher and so that was what I was um consciously doing and the 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 full extent hasn't been played out but I was like do I have enough to maybe do a more inspirational thing like hey this is how you can take something that happened that may be negative and turn it into a positive so I think that might be more interesting totally um, and then maybe give a little bit of like explanation. I like, hate this, is just what comedians do, la la la. Within this bigger context of, yeah. use the difficulty. Michael Caine, I think. Have you seen his video where he says use the difficulty? No. So he was in a in an acting class, and you supposed to go from one end to the other, and this chair fell down. And he was telling the director, well, can someone move the chair? And the director goes, use the difficulty. So if it's a comedy, stumble over the chair. If it's a drama, take the chair and smash it. And so he's like, use the difficulty. Mm. And so he applies that to his real life. When something really difficult happens, even if he can leverage 20% of that difficulty to, take your, to advance something in your life further, you're using the difficulty. So I freaking use the shit out of this difficulty to elevate my career to in fact now I'm possibly jump not jumping but like expanding my career to this new area of self-development which is something yeah. I've been passionate about since I was a, a young girl anyway um to gain more followers to gain more material Yeah, I, I used
2: to have this difficulty yeah, no, it sounds like you I don't really see have. the difficulty. In fact, I was like, this is just a thing that
0: happened. And and this is a, a statement to my, the mental health that I've worked so hard to develop over the mm-hmm. past few years, which is when this happened, my thoughts were literally, this is not a big deal. I really didn't think it was that big of a deal.
2: So is it or is it not like it to you personally, your mental health, you, Jocelyn Chia, the person you're like, I can absorb this, but for your career, it's a big deal. You mean as a cancellation or as a boost? <laughs> As a boost, okay, so, like, what do you think you lost? What do you think you gained? That's probably my last question. Like, yeah, you, the only lost, thing I
0: really made? lost, for so career-wise, was this gig that I had every quarter. It was a, a corporate gig for IBM. I was their global news anchor for their internal broadcast every quarter. It was a very sweet gig. Yeah. Um, and it was a very well-paying gig, right? We're talking tens of thousands of dollars here. Wow. And that got canceled. But on the other hand, it kept me stuck in New York City every quarter. Not that it was like that much of a hardship, but the, the, to the extent that we really want to, tra- or I really want to travel, it it was making, it was compromising my travel schedule somewhat. And I'm not super bothered by it because now I get to live my dream of living somewhere else. Like I'm not stuck to New York anymore. Like it was right. tying me to New York City, which is okay. It's still a great city, but I was feeling the desire. The wanderlust.
2: Yeah. Hmm? You wanderlust, you want to move, you want to do something, you don't want to be anchored.
0: I don't want to be anchored, so yes. You're an
2: anchor baby, but not wanting to be anchored.
0: Anchor baby doesn't want to be anchored. Yeah, you're because of that rebel in me, you know. That's right. (laughs) Don't pigeonhole me as an anchor.
2: Um, This is for my parents to enjoy. I, I want to still go see the rest of the world, so. Say what? You're you're an anchor baby for your parents to come back to America. That doesn't mean you want to be stuck in America.
0: And they never did. They never leveraged my anchor.
2: <laughs> wow, no way. So they went back and they just they never And they just stayed there.
0: Head. Yeah. I mean, well, when I was born, that was America's Haiti, right? Nineteen eighties America is like yeah. oh yeah. my god, America's golden era. Yeah. So of course yeah. people all wanted it. But then you by now?
2: <laughs> What's the no, when I, I have uh, Asian friends now who're like, I just got my citizenship. I feel like, bitch, you got to the club at one a.m. It's over. <laughs> they're turning on the lights. We're closing up. They call it's last call. You should have been right, here. Right, right, right. They're at getting the all
0: end. the all the ugly chicks with beer goggles now. <laughs>
2: <laughs> and they're all in office. Yeah, that's <laughs> uh, that's great. So, look, I if you have anything to add, let me know. Otherwise, I feel like this was a, a great conversation. Hmm anything we didn't cover where you're like, why didn't you ask me that? Or like, I wanted to say that or uh, anything else comes to mind? You know,
0: sometimes when you think, wow, why did I have to go through that difficulty and that phrase, Or oh, what doesn't kill you makes you stronger, which, and I hate platitudes like that, but everything happens for a reason. What doesn't kill you makes you stronger? No, I, I see the truth because if I didn't have that pandemic mental health challenge and had to really like do all the all that i could do to boost my mental health and get into the great place that it was when joke gate happened it may have destroyed my mental health i I mean i can't say for sure but you know i had really done so much that they they couldn't fuck with my mental health i was still happy i was still enjoying my life i was still going on vacation yeah did i get angry and frustrated and like attack back my trolls from time to time sure but for the most part the wherewithal without to put my phone away or or um not even read the comments or shut down comments like just to protect my mental space on my mental bubbles. So i was like wow that 2020 challenge really freaking helped me in 2023 right like when I was going through this, I could be like, this is not a big deal. This is not a pandemic where you no. don't know if you'll ever see the light of day again and and you're not having people dying all over you. You don't know where they are going to be loving loved ones any moment. And some people have really rough pandemics where they just lost their whole family. So I could just see how... Yeah. People did it so much worse and, and I could retain my sense of humor. I was like, oh, the only other comedian more on the fire right now is Zelensky. And I'm like, yeah, I'm not at war. Yeah. This is an internet war. It's not a real war. So I think that perspective was so important to be like, it's got so much worse. Like my life is still fun. It's still good. I'm in New York. I'm in one of the greatest cities in the world. I'm going to Europe on vacation. I'm in the Hamptons. Like what the fuck do I have to be like, oh, woe is me. So yeah, I do see now that what doesn't kill you makes you stronger. I, I was so much stronger at this time in my life to get through this because of my 2020 mental health challenge.
2: Oh my gosh, that is so well said. That is that's great. It, it's funny because it's kind of an earnest ending after such a fiery conversation. <laughs> but, <laughs> but I lo- but I love that. That's a twist that I did not really see coming. So oh, that's I funny. Think. Yeah,
0: yeah, yeah. You're <laughs> like, yeah, the spitfire. Oh, she's actually like so. She's got some sweet thoughts. <laughs>
2: <laughs> well, that's good though. I mean, it's good to get all sides, right? Like in a conversation where you get like, okay, this there's a there's a person there, but it's also obvious. You're you're we all know you're funny because we've seen your jokes. And I think that's why a lot of comics are, you know, we wax philosophical in interviews, because it's like well, you know I'm funny. You've seen my stuff, otherwise, right. why would I be here? You're not going to interview someone you don't respect. So
0: that's true. And I think for me, especially, I, I I don't find myself a naturally good comedian. Um, my 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 natural leaning is more on the intellectual, philosophical side. Mm-hmm. Uh, so I do struggle, I feel, with being that funny as a comedian. So if you just to hang out with me, yeah, some funny things might slip out. But I would say for the most part, I'd be pretty serious. I think.
2: Well, that's cool. Well, I'll be in New York in a month or so. Maybe we can hang out. It'd be really fun. Oh, yeah, that will be you
0: fun. <laughs> you can be the funny one. <laughs>
2: <laughs> that's fine. I, I can be, I'll, I'll take the burden off of your head. You need some rest yes, anyway. thank goodness. i going to work on your, end, your event video. And maybe if you're up at the cellar, I'll come check you out. So
0: Yeah, sounds great.
1: And that's our show. Like what you heard? Please subscribe, leave a review, and a five-star rating on your favorite podcasting platform. Now more than ever, people need to be hearing these stories. Please share our show with a friend or three. Want to learn more or got something to share? Visit modmypod.com or email us. Hi mom at modmypod.com.
0: You can also follow us on Instagram and Twitter at modminpod. We'd love to hear from you.
1: Now here's a preview of our next episode. That's it for now. I've been Ramin Segal. And I'm still Sharon Lee Tony. Remember, we're all modern minorities out there.
2: We'll talk to you
0: soon.
2: 18- us.